I had come across this meme a while back that I sent to uh, my 21-year-old. And it said, one time I was late to practice and coach made me run laps. My dad was the coach and he drove me to practice. And that in its essence is kind of, I don't know, kind of describes my childhood in a way and the cracked walnut brain that you're dealing with as we speak. Well, good morning again. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, nothing to do to save his life. Call his wife then. Well, nothing to say, but what a day has your boy been? Nothing to do, it's up to you. I've got nothing to say, but it's okay. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Ah, oh, Jesus. Oh, here we are. Another day. Another Thursday. And I tell you, things are getting a little dicey out there. Um, Wednesday night I was over at Folsom picking up the blood, picking up from the donor centers, doing my thing, doing my groove, working my thing. And uh, boy, it was just like, maybe it's like, a full moon. Maybe we just did we have a full moon or something? I don't know. Things have been kind of sketchy and weird and slow and out of sync and out of whack. And people are people are uh, inundated with stuff that they aren't even aware of. I don't who fucking knows. I don't know. I it just seemed like everybody's behind yesterday. Everybody forgot about scheduling the pickup. The getting things on time. I went to Elk Grove and uh, they were they forgot about the uh, scheduled pickup, put me behind. I had to run out to Davis, California after that where there's just nothing but like highway maintenance and just uh, merge lanes and uh, cars overheating and people just losing it and just fucking people pulling off in front of me, pulling over because uh, everything's so backed up. Like, there's a window, you know, like a window of opportunity in your... Um, your that, that commuter day, that part of the day where the commute starts to begin and everything kind of comes together. It's like... Uh, it's like... Um, it's like when things start to, to gel, you know? Like, things start to start to solidify. You can see the build of uh, the commuter traffic happening through that causeway down in, from Dave, between Davis and uh, Sacramento. And uh, you got to get out of there before like 3. And my scheduled pickup is at 3 over at Davis. My scheduled pickup at Elk Grove, which by the way, I still have yet to see an elk in that town, uh, is 2.30. So I, go, I gotta go from 2.30, I gotta jam all the way to Davis, uh, which is uh, chronologically impossible, geographically and demographically impossible. Uh, even without the road maintenance and uh, commuter, it just it's it's insanity. 
So if you get if you get behind at Elk Grove, you're done, bro. And man, it I had to shoot my way out of Davis. It was insane because there's only everything kind of funnels into one three lane highway that's been reduced to two lanes because of the road maintenance. So you just kind of you're just scratching and clawing to get your way through all that mess, right? So so that put me behind. And then I had to run up to Placerville to get the redneck blood. And uh, they're the only one. Well, they were even behind a little. They had an incident. She, <laughs> people, you know, it fascinates me because, like, um, people go there voluntarily to donate blood and then show up late or become argumentative in the screening process because they gotta, they've got to interview you, screen you. Check your blood pressure, make sure your levels are okay, see if you're hydrated, when did you, you know, when have you had any liquids last, whatever the process is. And then people just, they just show up late and just now, you know, you're on their, their time, right? Or they're on, they're overstepping your time, you know? And then they have the, the audacity to kind of, be frustrated that sometimes they get turned away because uh high blood pressure some some factor whatever you know maybe you're a little on the dehydrated side like and then they like people just fucking just lose you know like you're bro like you're just donating blood dude like you don't even have to be here like you can fuck right off so i get to uh Folsom and Wednesdays are typically slow. They're dead. They're just, they're, it's Wednesday, right? Uh, Tuesday's a little crazy busy, and it was, but Wednesday is, uh, is usually kind of a, you know, formality. It's just, you can phone it in almost. And I got the Folsom there. They had this old guy who was just kind of a crotchety old fuck, and he was, put everybody behind he showed up 20 minutes late he was kind of short like his attitude was short not him but um like fuck off dude like eat your fucking snacks and bounce get the fuck out of our god you know and then so put them all behind and they're all frantic and 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 try you know frazzle and trying to get all their ducks in a row to package everything and uh they're worried about me. I don't, me, I don't care. It's, it is what it is. I get out of there when I get out of there. I'm not going to, you know, I'm at the mercy of their schedule. So they don't have to worry about me. And, uh, but we got out a little late and, uh, but it's just like, man, you know, people just don't give a fuck. Right? Like, like this, like this meth head that's working on my car. Like she just kind of disappeared right like and she texted me the night oh sorry you know uh still recovering from because they had to move out of the out of the their their shop evidently this this car dealer that i that owns the building that i bought my car from is expanding that's why they had to move is because they're renovating and moving into their space and uh so it took a lot out of them and i get it and it was hot it was like 105 degrees and um but you don't have to make up, just, just be straight with, you know, just be straight with people, right? Like, um, 
you know, you live pretty far away, you're in over your head, just let me know, just, you know, so, uh, still, so the car is still in a holding pattern, still in limbo, um, so, uh, what, and then, um, meanwhile, meanwhile, so, life still gotta go, life still gotta happen, right, like, you still gotta get up, you still gotta keep moving, like, you, like, you still have obligations, or, like, whatever it is, if, whatever side of the situation you're on, you still have obligations to take care of, and those obligations are, uh, they're obliged to be, you're obliged to do them, that's why they're called obligations, right, so you still gotta get up, you gotta, you know, work out, get to work, you know, you gotta feed yourself, you got stuff around the house you gotta take care of, there's always some paperwork or something or something or some person that you gotta placate or some situation, so you just keep moving forward, that's all, that's what's happening, but, so what do I do, what I do is I just kind of get out on the trail in the morning, and it's surprise. It is surprise. Look, it's is is silly and gimmicky and weird as it sounds. Uh, the minute I get out there and the sun hits you in the face, you know, you're just like, all right, I got some, I got some loose, kind of disjointed pieces that I've got to kind of put together for the day, and then as I keep going and as I keep moving and I keep walking and my circulation gets a little better and the blood pathways open up it starts to it starts to kind of calm you down a little it kind of eases you into the day and then it uh, and then you're feeling all right heart's pumping you know you got a little more clarity and then you start to kind of resolve things and you start to like you know you start to kind of make sense of things and it's 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 brilliant but um because i typically do i i i don't i don't allow a lot of distractions like i don't blast a lot of music and shit when i'm out on on the trails and stuff i will listen to the occasional sometimes if i come across like i've been i've been um kind of combing through different people and different podcasts and different um uh um, um introducing myself to different, uh, new podcasts now. Um, so one, one kind of rabbit hole I went down was, uh, this guy, Cam Haynes has a podcast now. They all got, they all got them now. Right. So all, there's all that inner circle of like the Rogan inner circle with the, the Sam Harris's, the Weinsteins, Brett and, Brett and his brother and um, Jordan Peterson and uh, Cam Haynes and uh, all, you know, the whole, you know, it's like this, it's like this kind of mm, continual rotation of these kind of same handful of guys, you know, Michael Malice, Lex Friedman, and they're all good, you know, it's all, it's all really good content. Um but they all kind of, it's like they swap out. There's like a guest list of sorts that, 
this must be available to all these people who they get first dibs with and then they're contacted it's set up and then they proceed with their interview and then they and then they appear on Andrew Schultz's podcast and then Andrew Schultz appears on Chris Williamson's podcast Chris Williamson's appears on Cam Haynes podcast and then Cam Haynes appears on you know it goes on and on and on right so I uh so I um like I don't need to know the inner workings of bow hunting and stuff like that but I um by proxy I do uh like some of the content because of his uh guess Cam Haynes had uh, Courtney De- DeWalter on um I listened to, I I listened to that because he, he just started only a few months ago, I'd say. And uh, she was one of the guests because he runs ultramarathons. She runs, she's like the greatest ultramarathoner ever. And uh, so uh, I listened to that one. And then, and then they start kind of popping up like, hey, what about this one? And so it came, it came to be that I was listening to Cam Haynes being from Oregon I got to give it up for him because he knows his Oregon track. Like he knows all the, uh, he's a track fan. He's like a U of O track geek in a sense, like much like me. Uh, although not as in, you know, not as uh, specified with certain, like he knows names, like he knows Prefontaine and he knows probably, he probably, he's probably aware of like guys like Alberto Salazar. And, uh, one guy in particular though, that he had a, um, he did a podcast with was uh, Matt Centrowitz, which I thought, oh, that's interesting because Centrowitz was um, a U of O runner, but he was also the Olympic champion in the 1500 meters in uh, 2016 in the Rio Olympic Games, at, which was a shock, uh, kind of a shock, but not really. Like, dude's got a devastating, devastating kick. Um it was his third, uh, his third Olympics in twenty one, so sixteen would have been two thousand sixteen would have been his second Olympics. So he's a three time Olympian. His dad was an Olympian, a seventy six and eighty Olympian, and his dad, who goes by the same, I remember his, I remember his dad distinctly. Uh, growing up, reading, running magazines, reading about Matt Centrowitz, and uh, another. Oregon runner, but he was, from, but he's originally from back east. But this guy was intense. I didn't, and I didn't realize how intense. Um, he still has the high school mile record of, for New York because he's he, he's from New York, and he ran four hundred two point seven. And he's a real intense guy, and so he went to Manhattan. Uh, according to this podcast with Cam Haynes. His son, Matthew Centrowitz, was saying that his dad, being originally from um, New York, went to Manhattan College. And then when he went and he qualified individually for the NCAA Cross Country Championships and he wanted to go to Oregon. And so to prove that he was good enough to go to Oregon, um, he tried to place himself in the top five of the Oregon runners, whatever that meant. If it meant, if that meant fifth place or 
fifth place overall, if they, you know, if, uh, or, or just being ahead of their fifth man because of the top five score. The, uh, there's usually seven guys on a cross country team, top five score. And he had a, he must have had a really good race because he got the attention of Bill Dellinger, the coach at the time of the Ducks, the Oregon Ducks. And they were, and they, and they recruited him. He took him in and this guy just tore it up. Um, he became the school record holder in the 1500 at like 336, which was beaten by uh, Joaquin Cruz, the Brazilian half miler who was the Olympic champion in the 800. Uh, um, and then, and then, and then that record uh, was beaten by his by Matt Centeritz's son, Matthew Centeritz, the Olympic champion, at 334. So, um, and. If you know much about um, the last few years of track, last maybe the last decade or so, or if you watched any of it, or if you know, or if you're kind of uh, have any kind of intrinsic knowledge, like Matthew Centrowitz is kind of a cocky little fuck, right? But um, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, you know distance running in particular is a sport that has a lot of uh, subdued types, you know, not real verbose, not real um, demonstrative types, not real. uh, There's a confidence, uh, but it stops be it. It 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 only goes so far. It It doesn't turn into cocky. It doesn't usually turn into cockiness, although the ones that become cocky, um, are, are, become interesting. They become like villains. They become, you know, um, like you want to see what happens with this guy, because if he, if he wins, you're like, ah, but if he loses, you're like, ah, <laughs> you know, it's one of those, deals, you know, it's, but, but Matt Centrowitz, Matthew Centrowitz, his son, uh, he, it was a kind of a shock. It was kind of a shock because the last, American male to win the uh, the Olympic fifteen hundred meters was nineteen oh eight. Yeah, a long time. And so this this motherfucker came out. Of, he didn't come out of nowhere, but it was like he didn't really uh, expect him to win. And it, it was a it was a tactical race, and he won. It was like the one of the slowest times ever. I think he ran like three fifty for fifteen hundred, which is nothing. It's the equivalent of like a four. 407 mile, right? Which is, I mean, high schoolers are doing that, right? So it was very tactical, and he stole that one, And uh, but good for him. I mean, he won an NCAA championship. He won an Olympic gold. And, um, but what I, and, and again, he's, very, he's, he's brash, he's loud, borderline obnoxious. But, again, it's like, uh, I can't remember who said it. Man, it might have been Alberto Salazar. Somebody like that said it's not bragging if you back it up, right? So, um, so there, there are those types, those figures. You know, his dad, Matt Centrowitz, it was a, it was, it's kind of a, he was a throwback um, in the sense that Running in the seventies was just a free for all, and uh, they drank beer, they partied, they had a good time, they were out late with with the coach, you know, and um, but they were there the next morning 
Breitner, like, he was telling a story about how um, his dad, Matthew Sintrance's dad, would be out late night playing pool or drinking beer with the coach, Bill Dellinger, who's a character himself. Um, and out till three in the morning or so, you know, and not unlike somebody like Prefontaine, you know, Prefontaine had similar habits. I remember reading in his biography about that, but there was an assurance, like when you left that bar or that party or that pool hall at 3 a.m., there was the communication that, yeah, uh, I'll see you at practice 6 a.m. I'll see you in three hours. And that wasn't going to, and that wasn't going to be a cakewalk at 6 a.m. either. That was going to be a real workout. It wasn't adjusted for the night, the previous night's proclivities, right? So it was like a hard, hard, hard living stuff, like stuff that, 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 that they just don't do now. You know, it's different now. Now it's like, you know, get a, get, make sure you get seven to eight, seven to eight hours of sleep. Make sure you hydrate properly, get your electrolytes, get your, you know, supplement properly, your diet, make, make sure everything's in place. Make sure you, you know, you got your, um, Everything is uh, iced, everything's prepped, everything's ready, you know, you got the latest this, greatest that, you want to make sure you're, you know, this is all in check, and, but back in the day, man, like, like I say, like, I I mean, having parties, like, God, like, you'd be dancing all night, you know, and, and knocking back (laughs) Captain Morgan's rum and shit like that until the wee hours, and the next morning, you, you, like you, you do want to die. You want you when you get up, man. It's like there, you feel like your head, your skull is in a vice, and that so you somehow you roused yourself up out and out the door for like a long run, like a thirteen miler. And by the time you you get finished, your right as rain. It's it's brilliant. It's beautiful. And those were the old days, right? It was a hard, you know, that was the old school ways. And so, um, so Matthew Centritz, the son, of course, he was a phenom in high school, a cocky little fucker. And, uh, but he split time between, um, his high school coach and then his dad, who was again, two-time Olympian, school record holder, University of Oregon, uh, American record. He was, his dad was an American record holder. Uh, at one point in the 5,000 meters. Um, and oddly enough, you know, what's funny is, um, in the 76 Olympics that he was in, he was in the 76 and the, and the 1980 Olympics, the 80 Olympics were boycotted. We boycotted them because they were in Moscow and they, so we didn't have a, um, the Americans didn't go to Russia for the Olympiad, but 76, Matt Centrowitz. Uh, around the 5,000 meters. Um, he didn't medal. Um, I don't know what place. I can't. I don't think he even mentioned what place his dad got. But his roommate was Bruce Jenner. How funny is that? Ha! <laughs> and, uh, but hard-nosed guy, right? East Coast attitude, just tough as nails. Uh, you couldn't, you know, he was just old school, man. And, uh, but you you know, you take what you want from that. Like you can either, you can either kind of 
you can build on that and gain from that, or you can wilt under that. And so his son, um, was put through the, put through the, put through the, you know, the, 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 um, the steps, you know, put through the, put through the mill, right? Uh, I mean, despite the fact that he was like gifted, a gifted runner, I mean, there was still no letting up like his, (laughs) so he was telling a story about how, um, He called his dad and said, uh, or something to the effect like, "Would you, you know, what was your workout today?" Oh, I was like, you know, eight by three hundred meter, something like that. Say, like, okay, well, we're gonna do another workout. Put your shoes back on. <laughs> like drag his ass out there and just make him do like uh, what they call like stuff like fartlek. Fartlek is like a, a Scandinavian term, like a Norwegian thing, like where you run hard, you run easy, you run hard, run easy. You just constant. It's constant movement, so you, you press it, you press you go hard, you know, for a length of time, and then you ease up, but you're, you're always running, you're always moving, it's just, you know, hard, easy, hard, easy, hard, easy, something like that, and, uh, and just laying into him, but it's what kind of made it, he would, he would readily admit that that's kind of what made him who he was, you know, um, it didn't make him, it didn't make him cocky it made him disciplined right in that sense and uh it and there's a that's a that's a valuable commodity if you if you can utilize that and make it your own turn it into a disciplinary type tactic then it becomes a weapon right and that's how these guys you know babying everybody isn't doesn't seem to work out right so um like my dad was the same way uh i mean literally like i'm not even like i'm not even i'm almost not joking in the whole sense that like like that meme i was talking about was uh you know my dad was late all my dad was late to everything um and but he was my soccer coach and uh, if he deemed it fit to run laps because I was late, he would make me run laps, even though he was my ride. <laughs> you know, I mean, hey man, I'm twelve. What, what, what? You know, I'm powerless. What can I do? So it 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 makes you crazy, but it makes you also tough, and it makes you kind of resigned to just putting your head down and just like, despite the circumstance, because like, you know, I was tripping out. I was tripping out, like, the other day, like, we were coming back from Naked Man at the, the, from the nudist retreat, and it's, it was, it was early, it was like 7.30, in the, 8 o'clock in the morning, I mean, it was early, and it was a Sunday morning, not much happening on the roads, kind of slow, and, uh, not a lot of traffic, but the homeless were out. I thought, and I, every time I see something, because like, there's always, you know, with the homeless, it's like, um, they usually sleep during the day because at night they're moving because they got to be kind of on, on point because probably that's when you got to be more alert 
at night, you you know, you're more susceptible, you're more more vulnerable to situations. I mean, it's some. I don't know. Some of them don't give a fuck. I don't think you know, like they just set up tents, like in some of the most vulnerable areas, and just like roll the dice. But they're always on the move. Um, so, like they're always pushing their carts, or they're moving their shit, or they're you know, hustling up their thing or their, you know, and it's like, they're always working. Like they have, like, like they're, they're really doing the physical equivalent of, of what you typically have to sort through each day, getting up, getting ready, getting in the mindset to face the day, to do your thing. And, you know, dawn on me, like, there's like uh, different, there's like different levels of this kind of a, a hi- like a hierarchy of, of sorts within. So, like for example, uh, let's see where is it? Da, 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 da. I made a note on this about. Um, Different, there's different levels of work and there's different levels of suffering, right? And um, there's different levels of, of acceptance, right? Um, so, like, we, the, the, the bulk of the population, the bulk of any demographic is like the working class types, you know, the guys, the people, men and women that get up you know, saunter out the door, kind of hating, kind of hating their life a little, but still you got to keep, you know, the show must go on. Um, and those, be, that, that, that's, that's, like I said, that's almost, that's probably 90%, right? And then, um, it's 90% of, 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 you know, the working class, the work, the pe- the people that have, physically out there working right then there's like a there's like five there's like another small percentage of like um well the homeless right like that are constantly moving. they they have a believe it or not they have a routine as well it seems as if they would have a routine um it just doesn't pay as well but they have a survival mode they have a survival routine, getting up, functioning in their own capacity, you know, it's all relative, right? And making it through the day to the end point. There has to be an, 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 an end, a beginning and an end to everybody's day, right? Whether you're middle class, working geek, working stiff, whether you're homeless, whether you're Elon Musk, where you're like, who by all accounts to me is he... I mean, this dude works 80 hours a week, you know? Um, he's the he's the richest man in the world, second richest man in the world, whatever, third man, I don't know. He's in the top three. And he still works more than the average middle class. So everybody's got to grind, right? It's just how, and I think he even said it himself, you're just compensated for what level of problem that you solve 
Um, I don't know if he still agrees to that with that notion, but it, it does make sense. Like you are compensated for the problems that you, the, the, the capacity of the problems that you solve. So that's why like doctors get paid more, um, typically lawyers, you know, um, certain professionals, engineers, you know, tech moguls, whatnot. And then the mid-level stuff is all just kind of like, again, it's relatively, it's all compens, it's all relative to its compensation or its compensation is relative to its problem that it's solving. So like at the mid-level, it would be like the phlebotomists and nurses at the blood centers, the people that run the blood centers, the lab techs, the carriers, the drivers, the couriers, the, you know, and, uh, Everyone and and everyone else, you know, my buddy Mike, who's a superintendent of a construction company that builds uh, housing for the homeless. Uh, and, And then you get to that third tier, the homeless themselves, who they unfortunately create more issues than solve. So, but they're all, everybody's movie. Everybody's got, Everybody's got duties, right? Whether you're compensated for them or not, you you get up and you you have a, an endpoint in your day. So you you everyone's got to grind. It's just it's all relative to your uh, situation, you know. So everybody's got to work. Everybody's got to get out the door. Everybody's got a function. Everyone's got an obligation of some sort, even the most basic, even the guy that just sits around smoking weed and playing video games. His obligation is to win that game, and, you know, and buy more weed or whatever. Now you're not compensated for that, you know, but what problem did you solve? You didn't solve any problems. Um, but everybody, yeah, regardless, everybody's got something they've got a duty to fulfill. And uh, so it doesn't, I don't know, if you break it down like that, it doesn't make anybody's situation any more important than the other. It's just uh, how well you're being compensated and how well it works for your, like, because you're going to, you know, you're going to move through each strata of living um, based on your motives, right? Like these people, you know, like, like this guy, Mark Leda, who, um, runs the soft white underbelly channel on YouTube. Like he, uh, he talked about all the people in Skid Row in downtown LA and the, and then the thousands and thousands and thousands of people that he's interviewed, like literally, and how many of them have made it out of that? Well, there have been. There have been, you know, a half dozen. People do make it out of the, you know, out of those situations. They make it out of the gutter. They make it out of Skid Row. Not, it's very rare. It's about as rare as uh, becoming a billionaire, right? That's not very uh, common, you know. But it's like, uh, so... So your day-to-day becomes, for example, if you get out of Skid Row and you make it to the middle class, 
then you know now you've got a new set of headaches and issues and obligations and duties and schedules and tasks and uh, fulfillment and self-fulfillment and or lack of or whatever um, and then when you be like the, I don't rare is the situation that a billion you know, like somebody that or even somebody that's you know worth you know seven figures eight figures like that's a that that's a complicated life as well um somebody was saying uh after after what it something like after like 70 75,000 like the the graph kind of starts to that the graph of happiness starts to the arrow starts to kind of level out and start to point down a little right like you there's an optimum amount i guess like that sweet spot is kind of right around 70 grand or something like that right those are the that's where you can kind of optimize your happiness pay your bills do things you like to do on your off time hobbies trips enjoyment whatnot going out to restaurants what what have you then after that, it, the, as you accumulate more wealth, you become it becomes more like you you become uh, it becomes uh, heavier heavier duties and responsibilities. I, I would assume you know, um, but regardless, out of all three of those stages of whether you're a multimillionaire, billionaire, whether you're middle class, where you, whether you're homeless, you, there's a beginning point of your day and an end point of your day and that journey from point a to point b is based uh on well a lot of factors i mean there's genetics like i keep reading this thing 20 percent of your genetics you know you can't work around you know your your, your preset for uh, if it's mm, heart disease if it's mental illness if it's osteoporosis or if it's you know, whatever, but 80% of that, you can, you're, you know, you can do things, you can change your environment, you can get healthy, you can branch out, you can do different things, um, so that you're not really at the mercy of that 20% of, if it's a, you know, if you're predisposed to something, like, you can, you can work your way out of those situations, but, but by and large, I mean, everyone's got a task at hand. It's just how you're going to be compensated and and the mindset that you're given um, to tackle those those situ those issues and situations, right? Um, so that guidance becomes a, a, an issue, you know, and and. Um, and sometimes it, sometimes the overbearing parent doesn't always work. Like I remember my buddy, my buddy Eric, um, he became a SAC. He was in the he was SAC PD. Um, his dad was everybody loved his dad. His dad was like the the the, the team dad. Drove everybody to the races and stuff. Good guy. Good good to everybody. But he was hard on his son, and like to where it was like.
like overbearing, like em, mm, embarrassed. I don't know, like uncomfortably, uncomfortably overbearing, right? Like he would, he would, he would do the same thing to Eric that Matt Centrowitz would uh, would do to his son Matthew Centrowitz. You know, what'd you do in your workout today? All right, get your shoes back on. Come on, we're going out here. But it would be, but Eric was just not, he, his, he, he was just not, he didn't, and he didn't, um, he didn't buy in. I think in the back of his head, he was trying to just please his dad, but he, I don't, he just didn't, I don't think he bought in. I think there was, there was other stuff going on at the home, you know, like there's, there's issues at home, but again like you still you you still got to get out there and you got to go from point a to point b you got to get to school you got to get to your job get to work you got to you know you got a family you got to take care of your duties around the house i mean there's just life keeps moving it's just um this by no means is any kind of recipe for anything i'm just saying like it's just it's Sometimes it's just kind of a matter of luck, too, that you um, are successful. Um, But everything you can do to make yourself prepared for a situation is going to help out is going to make you more, um, it's going to make you more, um, uh, available to receive that luck, the lucky draw, right? You know, like, like if you want to meet people, you're obviously going to have more luck going outside and expo, you know, just being around people. Now you take that away and you sequester yourself uh, inside and you st- stifle growth. And uh, so, yeah, there's a lot to being luckily su- successful. And, su- and, and I don't know. I, I'm all right. Anyway, success is weird. And uh, mm, there's just there are different levels of work. There's different levels of suffering. There's different hierarchies within industries where you know, like life's unfair. You know, like there's a big thing about performers being like stuff being thrown at live performers during concerts and stuff like that, and uh, you look at like the different level like. The smaller the club, the more dingier the club, the more mm, rowdy the crowd, the more that that probably happens and the more that that uh, situation is likely to happen and the more uh, rambunctious it could be if it does happen, right? Some dingy little dive bar club where some crappy garage band's playing and they're chucking, you know, water bottles and cell phones and people at their heads and stuff and punk i remember listening to uh about this the, the police be, uh, when they were traveling through the midwest and these little punk these dingy little punk clubs being spit on and bottles being thrown at them but now but but 
the other end of that spectrum, of course, that's when the police were not before they were, before they were the police. You know, they were they were small time, but but now you look at like <laughs> like so like my twenty one year old down in UCLA. She um she went to the Taylor Swift concert, and her boyfriend had to go with her. Unfortunately, poor guy, poor Ryan. You know, <laughs> and then so the night before, though, he was having some health issues. Um, his side was hurting. He was sick. She's like, well, do you, you want to not go? She's, he's like, no, no, I'm going. I'm going. Well, it turns out he had appendicitis. And he just sucked it up. And <laughs> she was saying like she had like 911 on speed dial or something. I don't know, an ambulance on speed dial. But um so he made it through the concert, and then moments later, there's a picture of him on her Instagram where he's, like, got, you know, an IV tube sticking out of him. <laughs> he's in the ER, poor guy. But he sucked it up, man. That's tough. Like, that's balls. But uh, my point is, like, if anybody at that Taylor Swift concert would have chucked a cell phone at her head, they would have probably pulverized that person into some kind of jelly you know that's just a different level of acceptance of of a different strata of the hierarchy like uh, maybe i and i could be wrong i don't know maybe they're chucking stuff i don't think they are though the taylor the swifties are you know that's a that's a that's a pretty solid base like they fucking love that that chick you know if anybody were to chuck anything up up there, they that person would be beaten into jelly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But like the shitty little clubs where they're fucking spitting on you, chucking bottles. Nobody gives a fuck, right? It's all relative, you know. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's a weird world out there. But I hope you guys are having a. I don't know. I hope you guys are going into this weekend with. Um, some positivity, you know, some good, some joy, some, some, something brewing, you know, hopefully you got some plans. It's Thursday. I love, I, I like Thursday. Thursday is kind of a busy day for me. You know, I gotta go, but I gotta go to all the blood centers. I gotta make sure these crazy nurses are doing their shit, staying on top of the tasks at hand and getting out of there in one piece. But, um, but uh, this weekend we're heading. I got, I got the twins coming up, and we're meeting up at a haunted Airbnb up in Jackson, up in the foothills. It's gonna be monstrous. It's gonna be mega. It's gonna be badass. This is legit too. Like these is a real. This is like some insidious type shit, right? Like rocking chairs moving by themselves. Uh, my son texts me. He's like, "Hey, do you need me to bring anything?" Like. You need me to go go by the dispensary? I'm like, no, but I thought, man, I almost I almost hit him up for some mushrooms. But I thought, nah, I shouldn't be doing that. I don't know. I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think mushrooms would be a good idea in a haunted house. Like that that shit might get away from me. <laughs> you know? Because like then you don't know, like, is that rocking chair really moving or is it not moving? Is it my head? Is is it all in my head? It's all in my head. It's all in my head. But um uh, yeah, just fascinating to me to, 
see just everybody's got to grind. How do you want to be compensated for it? Everyone's got shit coming there at them. Everyone's got shit coming their way. There's, a, there's fucking shit coming at your head. You know? And were, were you... Were you properly prepped for it? I guess is the question. You know? Can you... Ha- I mean... It's it's a survival test sometimes, man. I don't know. Um... But other than that, I definitely will, uh, definitely will, uh, keep you posted as far as what goes down at the fucking, the haunted house this weekend. It's going to be a little, um, could be an all-nighter. We'll see. My son's bringing a buddy. My daughter's bringing a friend and some equipment and, uh, just gonna see what shakes loose uh maybe at the end of the day that's kind of all you can do is just go rent a haunted airbnb and see what takes shape all right other than that i'll talk at you later enjoy your weekend arrivederci baby